Okay, Paul, this time we're going to try something a little bit different in order to get to the source of your DC OCT. I, my friend, am going to try and hypnotize you. What do you say to that? I don't don't think I can be hypnotized, Dr. Happy Sprinkle. First of all, it's Hersenstefner. Second of all, I think we can do it. I think this is going to work. And what we're going to do is try and regress through your memories to get back to the source of your DCOCD. Go back to where it all began. Well, I don't think it'll work. I mean, this is just something you see on cruise ships and things like that. It's just a load of rubbish. I don't think hypnotism works at all. It's just... Back in your comics history, look around you. What do you see? What are you doing in the past? Uh, I've just woken up. It's it's August the 6th, 1997. Ah, yeah. Oh, I was just telling my wife how good Chumbawamba are, and they're going to have such a long career. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, and what else are you doing on this day, Paul? Ah, uh, it's a great day. I'm going to the comic shop. I'm, there's The new books are coming in today. Oh, there's a new event starting, and it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's by John Byrne. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to read it. Welcome to DC OCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths on up. And we have made our way to Genesis in 1997. And I'm joined by a man who um, is a glutton for punishment, a connoisseur of bad comics, uh, a man who revels in the crapness of comics that are bad. And that man is Greg Arujo. How are you, Greg? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> I might need to talk to your, your therapist after... After after we get done with this episode, um, yeah, <laughs> this was definitely something I read. <laughs> well, we could form a support group for this one. So for <laughs> those of you who are unfamiliar, Genesis was an event that was uh, spearheaded by John Byrne and penciled by Ron Wagner, inked by Joseph Rubenstein, uh, lettered by Clem Robbins, coloured by Patricia Molliville and Noel Giddings, and edited by Paul Kupperberg, who I reckon didn't do much. I think he just said, whatever you want, John, because John was... Uh, on a bit of a tear telling the story he wanted to tell. So what's this about, Greg? Can you? Is it about anything? Well, that's a good question. I guess if you ask John Byrne what it's about, it's, it's, it's the first time the mysterious force known as the God Wave made its way through the universe. It created the gods. And on its second pass, it created the metahumans throughout the DC universe. But as the God Wave approaches its starting point, everything is threatened as superpowers are disrupted and citizens throughout the DCU feel as if something is fundamentally wrong, like they've been trapped inside of a really bad comic book event. <laughs> the heroes and gods from New Genesis must prevent Darkseid from his plan to seize power from the God Wave. But as if this wasn't enough, there's a threat of an alien armada hanging over the Earth, and is that the Greek god of war hanging in the shadows? Yeah, it's got a bit going on, but 
It, I mean, this one is really frustrating because um, I remember when it came out, I, I, I was anticipating this one. I was actually looking forward to it because I thought, oh, I love events. And, you know, we've had so many good ones up to this point that, you know, another one in the pile is just very welcome. And when you think about it, it's John Byrne actually being the driving force of an event. I mean, he was part of Legends back back in the day, but he was just kind of the artist at that point. But this is one that John Byrne, comic book legend, is driving. So, you know, it's got to be good. Yeah. And, and most of us at this point, his name had so much cachet from his work in the Marvel Universe. And then he'd come over and um, sort of revamp Superman from scratch and done a very good job. And, you know, those the Superman books for the first few years were really exciting and, uh, you know, set the template for the modern Superman, really. And, you know, so to have him step back and say, OK, now I'm going to do an event. It's like, wow, I'm, a, you know, I was in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount of like anticipation with that. And, and it's not just John Byrne writing events. John Byrne writing event with the new gods. And he's always kind of had a fondness for these Kirby characters. So and he was writing the current new gods title in 97. So, yeah, I would say there was a lot of anticipation for it. And then you open up the, the first issue and. It wasn't exactly what you expected it was going to be. <laughs> well, I mean, you talked in your um, recap about how the God Wave was coming and everything, and the God Wave is sort of spreading out through the universe and creating God powers, and then it bounces back a little bit weaker, and then it creates superhuman powers, and then it bounces back again and just makes people slightly upset and disrupts their powers a little bit. So, And all that, I knew about that from reading about this before it came out. So there were interviews and stuff and said, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, there's this this force passing through the universe and it's disrupting things. And then you read the comic and you don't even get to hear about that until, like, issue three when Darkseid just, you know, gather around everyone, I'm going to explain the plot and just starts explaining. I think that's the problem with this whole, the core miniseries. It's, it's a lot of explaining and not a lot of follow-through. Yeah, and everyone's just running around doing things and there's no point to it at any point. It's a mini-series of, of staff meetings. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really boring. It's incredibly wordy. Yes, every time I tried reading this, I would inevitably fall asleep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a chore to read. Um, it was, I mean, I'm, what, 17 episodes into this show. This was the worst moment so far. It was, there wasn't anything enjoyable about this one at all. I mean, there, there are tie-ins I like. Um, but the things that make those tie-ins enjoyable are not having Genesis tied into it. Oh, yeah, exactly. You would, you, I, I would argue that if you remove the Genesis elements of it, these stories could still happen and they would still be good. I think the question is, does the individual tie-ins benefit from being part of Genesis or just Genesis? benefit from it being associated with these tie-ins and, and in this case I think that's where if Genesis has any type of positive memories in people's minds it's because oh that issue of Batman or Resurrection Man that was pretty good but it was would be good anyway and there's literally I mean there's only really two types of tie-ins in this and there's a few that are like you know okay um, Apocalypse is att- attacking and so Darkseid has sent out all his minions to just cause havoc I don't know why it's something that's happening so the, the characters in it get to fight a little bit of um, apocalypse enemies and then the other type is just someone's powers go a little bit glitchy in the middle of the story or the, the the third one is that oh I feel kind of depressed right now oh yeah the depression so yeah that's another effect of the god wave is it makes some people very sad and they suffer from uh, <laughs> debilitating ennui uh, which the book is very you know it, it actually generates that with the reader which is quite amazing it's like a <laughs> you know a gimmick book yeah, I was going to say that it's the ultimate gimmick book. Yeah, it's a downer. <laughs> you know, you've heard of Scratch and Sniff and you've heard of 3D. This is downer comics. 
<laughs> so, uh, something must be in the ink in the printing process. Yeah. So did you um did you dive much into the uh, crossovers with this at the time or now? It's hard to say. At this point, I was leaning. I was kind of stepping away from the Superman titles because this was during his uh, Electric Blue period, and I I just I couldn't get into that. But I I think if memory serves, I ended up picking up a good chunk of them. I remember reading the Batman one. I probably read about half of the Superman ones. I I know it was, I was the Aquaman one. It was kind of hit and miss, yeah. but I know I picked up the core mini. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting titles tied into this one. So, you, I mean, you've got your standard like Green Lantern and Superman <laughs> and Batman and Aquaman, but then you've got some weird things like the Power of Shazam was running at this time, so that tied in. Starman, James Robinson's Starman with Tony Harris uh, did an issue, and, you know, it's negligible, the effect of Genesis on that story, <laughs> but, I mean, there's you can see that Jack's... Star Rod started mucking up at one point. Uh, you have Sovereign Seven. Sovereign Seven. <laughs> which, I mean, that got to issue 27 at this point. That's amazing. That Everyone hated that book. That's a series I forget that exists, except for when I find it in discount bins. <laughs> yeah, it's alive and well and waiting for everybody right there. The, the tie-ins are weird, though. It's... It's all the Superman titles, but only one Batman title. Robin's in there. It has the challenges of the unknown pop up briefly in the, the miniseries, but there's no tie into that. Justice League of America, JLA doesn't show up in this. Almost like half the titles were, were tying into this thing. Yeah. And Young Heroes in Life, I, I love Young Heroes in Life. It was a great little series. But, um, you know, once again, the Genesis effect is someone's powers go a bit weird and start mucking up. But, I mean, there's nothing else to it. The Spectre? Spectre had an issue. Um, John Ostrander was always good at sort of tying it into the story he was doing. So that kind of worked better than most cases. But, I mean, I really can't recall what happened in some of the other books. I never read Zero. Zero got tied into this. I mean, I always thought that book was creator-owned, but it had to participate in some way. Yeah, I, that's another one of those those books that I had completely forgotten about. I don't think I ever picked up Zero back in 97. But I remember, you know, when this came out, my DC reading had contracted. Like, I, I, I was less on board with the Superman books, so I sort of dropped them around, um, I think, the trial, of the a trial of Superman, I think, was when I sort of had given up on those. And I certainly wasn't reading Superboy and the Ravers. Um, I, <laughs> no? <laughs> I wasn't liking the Teen Titans, the new uh, take on that by Dan Jurgens. Um, I, I, I was getting Aquaman, I remember that. Me and everyone else weren't buying Azrael, though that was still coming out for some reason. Yeah, but very few of them were good and sticking around with me at that point. So I think I was waiting for you know new books to come along. And the, But there were some good books out that just didn't tie into this. So it, as far as a crossover, it doesn't have that many. I think there's like 23 tie-ins, perhaps, and that sounds right. I think I read for the preparation for this for this episode. I think I read about two thirds of them. And as we said earlier, a lot of these tie-ins are pretty good, but they would have been pretty good anyway. Resurrection Man was probably my favorite of the bunch, and in the top three, that and the Robin issue are great episodes, but great issues, but really don't have any. They, they could have easily existed without Genesis. Yeah, I'm not going to buy a Lobo book just to see what happens with Genesis. <laughs> I'm sorry. And Wonder Woman was dead at this stage. John Bernard um, sort of killed her off at this point in his own book when he was running Wonder Woman. So, and that's why there's so many other Amazonians running around in Genesis. So, and it has Electric Superman. We'll just point out Electric Superman is uh, alive and well and uh, front and center in this book. Uh, is there anything that we like about this? Let's. <laughs> usually we go, what's the best moment of the series? Is there any moment? I don't know if there's any moment that's specific to Genesis. I mean. Things like taking High Father off the table, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. 
but he got better. That doesn't even happen in the main miniseries. <laughs> that happens as a result of the Fourth World uh, tie-in issue. Yeah, something like the introduction of the Kurtzberg wave is a nice reference. I kind of like that idea, maybe, of the God Wave being the the reason for uh, superheroes gaining their powers. I, I'll, I'll preface that. Say, I liked it in 97. I don't know if I like it in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually struggled to find anything in the in the main series that was enjoyable. I mean, it, there's a lot of characters in it, but they are blandly written. And no one, you know, stands out as being interesting. And a lot of them are just, you know, prompting exposition out of each other. You know, that seems to be all that people do. And then you've got characters who sort of waltz in who get introduced in Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Um, they appear from nowhere and everyone just seems to defer to them as being really important suddenly. And and they're not named at any point. It's just... Exactly. I'm, I'm kind of wondering... Okay, I wonder if if at some point DC editorial was looking at the spreadsheet of late 1997 and realized, uh, guys, we didn't, we didn't schedule an event. And so they rapidly threw this thing together and maybe Byrne had this in mind for like an annual. Cause it's the story is just stretched out so thinly that I'm surprised he had enough material for four issues. Yeah. There's a moment in it where dark side is basically tells everyone what his plan is. And then he, walks out of the room and that's his escape he just walks through a door <laughs> and then everyone gets attacked by his minions and then they're like where's dark side gone and you know they bring in the specter into the miniseries and his his role is to play the phantom stranger because he's the guy that stands around talking to dark side about his plans which is what happened in um legends but you know for some reason this you know the phantom stranger was unavailable for this episode so we brought in the <laughs> specter to play his part he must have been overbooked or something yeah and then the last minute introduction of Ares is like what where did this come from you'd have to have been reading the fourth world series and really i think at this time nobody is reading the fourth world series well i mean i i followed a rule with most crossovers and that was if someone who writes the main series of the crossover is also writing one of the tie-in issues always buy the tie-in issue because it's like an extra issue of the the series so and that sort of paid off for this because there are big things that happen in that issue like Ares shows up high father gets killed by Ares. yeah it's anyway now most events that we look at, they have things that spun out of it or effects that uh, were in, enacted or things that, you know, basically settled into continuity for a little bit. This um, doesn't. No. Like, I can't think of anything from this that stuck. Nothing, I mean, nothing. Even the God Wave itself was stuck around a shorter period of time than Hyper Time right after Kingdom. Yeah, like, it's never mentioned again by anybody the only effect of this is at the end of the miniseries i mean they all breach the source wall everyone goes into the source wall and then they say it's undescribable and then they start talking about what it's like and you know it's well it's a visual swirl um <laughs> that defies imagination or something it's it's not interesting at all and while they're in there somehow uh dark side gets stuck on the wall so i mean they have all these you know sort of titan figures who are sort of welded to the outside of the wall and Ares is too yeah and both of them get there and you know i think at some point someone must have got dark side off but i don't think yeah. it was it was done just to put him into action again not because of it they wanted to tie into this amazing story in any way i mean it does take high father and, and dark side off the table but not for very long i mean it, it i guess it during this period of time for whatever reason, Apocalypse and New Genesis were merged into one, and I guess it separates as a result of this miniseries. But 
it would have happened anyway. Yeah, well, that's just a return to the status yeah, exactly. quo of those planets. So, and I think it actually, in a lot of ways, I think it's like all four of your uh, your types of events. I mean, it, it's the fixer because it tries to explain the origin of superpowers. I mean, it occupies where in the schedule where an event would be. I would say this is definitely a vanity project. Oh, yeah. This is something that's been in Byrne's mind since Action Comics 600 when he, he toyed with the idea of New Gods characters being the origin for the, the Greek gods. Yeah, so it's like a pet project for him. And it I don't know. I mean, we've been reviewing the, the Doom Patrol issues by John Byrne in Waiting for Doom. I don't know if you've been listening to that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is John Byrne going, I know how to do this better than the originals. It's kind of a weird period in his in his career um, because at this point, yeah, you know, he's right in the middle of his New Gods and he's in the middle of his Wonder Woman run. But not too far in the distant future is is his Spider Man Chapter One and and just where things things go a little bit crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I th- I think we just. Yeah, I don't know if we've got too much more to say about it, so we might play a little promo and then come back and do some scoring if you're ready for that. Oh yeah, definitely. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel Podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. And now it's the time where we score this event. So, uh, you know, the way we do this is uh, Greg and I, we are the full OCD, so we get a score out of 10 for the four categories, which are uh, eventiness, how eventy is it, the writing, what's the quality of the writing like, uh, how's the art and the covers, and then what is the impact and legacy score. So we will give those scores out of 10. And if, uh, you know, that gives us a potential score out of 80, but because we want to get this to 100 just to make it neater, we have a semi-OCD who also contributes their score, except we halve their score at the end because they're not as fully OCD for, in this instance. So let's get into the scoring. I'm going to start and I'm going to talk about the eventiness of this one. And I think the only thing eventy about this one at all is lots of characters show up um, and it ties into a bunch of current titles and that's it and that that's better than nothing uh but only just so um my score for eventiness for this one is uh a fairly weak three because it it doesn't do much it doesn't you know it doesn't bring anything to the book basically it just says here's you can have a glitch in your powers or you can tie into the story if you're a good friend of mine uh that's all that john Byrne has to offer in this case uh what about you greg I also give it a three. I mean, it's a weekly miniseries with John Byrne doing New Gods, but God, it is the the premise is much more exciting than the actual execution of the miniseries. I mean, it crosses over. Yeah, it crosses over with other titles, but and but really, the majority of those are Red Sky type crossovers. They would have happened anyway, and it's just they were editorially mandated to say, oh. 
my powers are acting kind of funny or I feel kind of depressed. Yeah, it just gets in, comes in quick and it gets the job and gets, and gets out. It's, it's nothing. It's a nothing event. I mean, what's the opposite of an event? I mean, I feel like that there's a word that I can't grasp right now that event sounds like something exciting. This is just kind of like staff meeting. It's a, a non-vent. <laughs> a non-vent, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. All right. Well, what do you think of the writing then? I'm going to give it a two. Ooh. And I'm going to preface this immediately. This may disqualify me a bit. I'm not a huge fan of John Byrne's writing. I love his art. His writing has always left me a little bit cold. And this story in particular is a really dull story. And I think it's only interesting to Byrne. And even I, I would say that's even questionable. I mean, you know, I do know something about bad comic book miniseries. And... I can't even think what Burns trying to do. I mean, I mean, the first issue is him jumping around from place to place. There's no, I don't think there's really even a point of view character for this. It's, he doesn't spend any time at any length. Um, I mean, things like the death of Highfather should be a big deal. This is a big character in not only DC mythos, but the fourth world. Uh, it should be a big deal, should take place in the mini, but it doesn't. Um, there's so much recap from one issue to the other. It just, you, you start one and then it re- the first couple pages recaps what we've already gone over. Um, it's so little action in this. It's like the invasion of Earth is like an afterthought. Mm. I mean, we have this armada that has no payoff. I don't, at least I don't think so. Not in the main book. So much standing around. Um, strangely enough, Catwoman references Hitler in kind of a positive manner, which is, which kind of knocks it down. I might have given it a three, but that kind of knocks it down a point. It's weird in, in, in 1997, and it's like, what are you doing? What are you thinking in 2018? It's just, yeah. It really expects that you're reading the Wonder Woman Fourth World series, which I think are probably doing the heavy lifting at this point. And that last-minute reveal of Ares is just kind of like the last straw. Yeah. Well, uh, in a shock, I'm going to agree with you. It's a two. It's, it's overwritten. <laughs> And the plot is, you know, underbaked. Um, it's a slog and a chore. We call that a chog. <laughs> it's it's just awful. Um, it's it's so hard to get. I mean, two sounds really generous now that I'm articulating my thoughts about it. But I I guess he yeah he found a way to bring in lots of characters and have them do stuff. But it could have been an annual. Uh, yeah, the central plot of this makes no sense. What people want and how you know, you know, how they know it's good is like, you know, Darkseid reckons he can seize this power. How? I don't know. John Byrne doesn't seem to know because he doesn't articulate it. Um, everyone wants to stop him. Why? I don't know. And they managed to stop him. How? I don't know. It was in the book somewhere, but, you know, and it, it doesn't invite you. Like, sometimes you read a comic and go, I don't fully get this, but I think it's worthwhile. This, I was like, I don't fully get this and it's not worth my time to work that out. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree. Yeah. I, I still, you know, I've read this thing as for prep more times than I probably should have. It's going to stick with me for a while, only be, for the trauma of it. And I still don't quite understand how the ending worked. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. Anyway, um, art. The art is better than the writing, <laughs> but only just. Yeah. The action, I mean, the, at this stage, we have the JLA coming out and we've had, um, you know, we've had Kingdom Come and things like that where, Art has been used 
to dazzle and impress and show, you know, scale and space. And, you know, in this, it's filled with things that ought to be awesome. Like, it's filled with space armadas of alien ships coming to Earth for some reason. They do nothing, but they're there. Um, It's got the source wall and, you know, people up against it being tiny and all that sort of stuff. But all the the grandeur in the art is just not there. It's... It was really beyond Ron Wagner's capabilities to render this in an impressive way, or you know, with the time he ta- he had. I, I you know, I don't want to be unfair, but you know, this is it looks rushed. It looks bare minimum. It you know, it's really disappointing. And this is an event. It's it's not nothing. Yeah, my, my score for the art, and it, it's raised by the covers alone, but. Um, I put a lot more input on them, what's inside the pages of this because you've got to go through it all. Um, and I give it a, a three. So, bleh. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I can't disagree with anything that you said. I give it a five. I mean, the, the high point of the art is the covers by, by, Alan, by Alan Davis, but two of them are really good. One is okay and the, the one is just kind of there. I like Ron Wagner. As I said, I gave it a five. I, I like Ron Wagner's. His pencils are fine. They're fine. Fine. It works a lot better with the superheroes, but, but when he, the new gods, yeah, the new god characters and the kind of the more cosmic stuff are a bit out of his, out of his scope. I don't think he's got a great handle on it. Maybe I'm feeling a little generous. I mean, obviously he was given the script and worked to the best of his ability with it. So, um, yeah, five. Yeah. I feel comfortable with the five. Right. Now, on to Impact and Legacy. Now, usually uh, an event hits and it, it causes some, well, in this case, it's appropriate, ripples or waves. You get little things that come from it that people play with and want to do things with. This is the opposite. No one wanted to do anything that was raised in this book. No one wanted to mention the God Wave or use it. Everyone, uh, you know, it's like everyone universally rejected it. Like um, antibodies just attacked <laughs> these ideas and destroyed them. So, uh, to my mind, there is no legacy or impact from this book. There's no books that spun out of it. It didn't generate anything new, as in new ideas. Darkseid got stuck on the wall, and someone undid that at some point because they wanted to use Darkseid again. But they weren't doing that because of any, any any reverence to this title. They just needed to use him, and so he had to be written off the wall. I'm giving a zero. I think there is no impact and no legacy from this comic at all. I almost gave it a zero, but I was thinking about it, yes. Um, it's never been collected, it, although it is available on Comicology. I mean, it was as you said, it was quickly forgotten. I, when people talk about bad DC events, this is not even the one that they talk about. They talk about Millennium first and foremost. Uh, so even in that regard, the legacy of being a really crappy comic, it's it, it doesn't even muster any type of enthusiasm with that. Yeah, there's nothing that comes from this. Um, I mean, even with something as bad as the Secret Wars 2, shameless plug, people talk about Peter Parker teaching the Beyonder how to use the bathroom. There's just nothing to it. Um, the, I gave it a one, and the reason why I gave it a one is because of this podcast, because we're talking about it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's the end of our scoring, but uh, we have uh, another person, and that person is... Um, you familiar with the work of Sean Ross? <sighs> that guy, he follows me around everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I picked you because you seem to have a, um, a habit that you can't kick about bad comics. Well, Sean seems to be similar. He, uh, he joins you on the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast and you're now doing Secret Wars 2, which uh, means he is more than suitable to have a crack at uh, scoring this one as well. So let's hear what Sean had to say. Yes, um, hi, I, I think I'm in the right place. I, 
I'm also a sufferer of DCOCD and Dr. Human Papillomavirus thought that I might find a group meeting quite helpful to, to help me get over my fears. But I see that we're discussing the 1997 miniseries Genesis, which will only drive me further into darkness. My name is Sean Ross, and I'm the co-host of Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond on the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network, and also Nerdy Dads and the Nerdy Dads Network. And, and well, I'm here to talk about Genesis. Uh, the miniseries was written by John Byrne, penciled by Ron Wagner, inked by Joe Rubenstein. Now, Byrne clearly titled the miniseries Genesis because he's going for an overall religious feel. And I think there's an interesting connection there because the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And the Hebrew word for Genesis is actually Bereshit. And I think that's appropriate because I can only bear so much more of this sheet from Byrne before I have to check out. The miniseries is penciled by Ron, Ron Wagner, who's more famous for his work on G.I. Joe. And, you know, Byrne is, of course, famous for his work in the 80s on books like Fantastic Four, X-Men, and Alpha Flight. But his 90s output is, is not quite of the same quality. Now, I'm here today to score this miniseries that you have so bravely reviewed. And I'm going to begin with eventiness. Now, an event, I guess, is technically a comic book that's produced about once a year and stars most of the heroes of that universe facing some sort of overwhelming odds. So this is an event. It, it does qualify as such. But if we're talking about its overall connection to the universe, its overall connection to the series at the time, well, I was collecting DC, I was buying almost every book on the shelves, and I don't remember a single crossover other than a brief moment in Starman where his power rod cut out, but, you know, that can happen to the best of us, I guess, if we're tired or intimidated. And so I, I don't remember this being much of an event, and so out of a score of 10, I'm going to give it a 2. Now, it gets two points for technically meeting the definition of an event, but that's about all I can really give it because it doesn't do much more than meet the definition of an event. It It's not great, and not great is probably the nicest thing I can say about it. Moving on to writing, such as it is, it seems to me that John Byrne penciled these, this miniseries almost as a series of Mad Libs. Like, blank happens to the heroes, and then blank shows up, but just when they think they won the day, blank shows up, and then blank blank. And he just filled it in with certain words, because this series makes absolutely no sense. The heroes are losing their powers, or getting more powerful. Seems rather arbitrary. Turns out it's a problem with the source wall involving the new gods, so a group of heroes goes to face off against Darkseid. However, instead of, I don't know, forming a plan and perhaps positioning people in the, in the arrangement where they would best serve the cause and best help to fight this overwhelming odds, they instead draw straws, allowing the depowered Donna Troy to join the fight and allowing a bloodline character to be there at the very end. And that's just not okay. Nothing good is going to come of that. And so very suddenly they go into the source wall to fight Darkseid, but who's the actual bad guy? It's Ares, who hasn't appeared in the miniseries at all. Like I said, it's a series of Mad Libs. It's one thread after another, one name after another. The stakes are supposed to be high, but they feel very low. And I read this miniseries twice in preparing to score it, and I still have no idea what happened in it. I don't know how it ends. I don't understand how the heroes win the day. I don't understand why Darkseid is suddenly imprisoned in the source wall. It is just beyond me. It is very poorly written. So, out of 10 points, I am going to give it a 2. I'm giving it 1 point for containing proper English. I'm going to give Byrne a point for command of his native tongue. And I'm going to give it one point for having the seed of an interesting idea. I suppose that whole God wave 
concept could be interesting in the right hands. And, you know, Darkseid's a good villain at times, but Burn actually kind of sucks all the pathos out of him. So two points for me for writing. Let's move on to art and covers. Now, the covers for this book are great because they are done by the great Alan Davis, and he is paired with one of the best inkers that he works with, Mark Farmer. The cover to issue one, a little anticlimactic. It looks like a middle page of the book. Doesn't really tell me what it's about. Doesn't really get me to buy it. But the covers for two and three and four, and, and three in particular, which has a large dark side with his hand out and the heroes of, of Earth are sort of falling between his fingers. These are really fantastic images, and that image of Darkseid has been reproduced numerous times. So the covers are excellent. The interior art is fine. Ron Wagner is most often associated with G.I. Joe. He's a solid, yeoman, sort of workmanlike artist in the spirit of, say, Paul Ryan. His work actually reminds me of early Ron Garney. It's easy to tell what's happening in the book. The storytelling is there. So I'm actually going to give the art in the book, mostly bolstered by the covers from Alan Davis, a 4 out of 10. So that brings us to Impact slash Legacy. Now, the legacy of Genesis is tremendously negative. I can't tell you a single thing that came from this book. I don't remember reading it. I was actually surprised to learn that I still owned it. Nothing of any import happens. A character named Tachyon, who feels very Tachyoned, dies and then is reborn it, it seems at the end of the series as if it might have set up donna troy getting some powers back but overall dark side's imprisoned in the source wall until he's not and new genesis and apocalypse apparently had been united as a as a planet again and are separated again which is okay whatever that's kind of the status quo i don't think anything comes of this miniseries i don't think most people remember it exists and so i'm actually going to give it an impact of one out of ten and I'm giving it a one out of kindness, actually a one because it happened, but that's all it's getting. And so it, it was not great. So overall, as you can tell, I was not overly impressed with this book and I co-host a podcast about Secret Wars too. So I'm pretty easily impressed, but Genesis doesn't even cut that. And, and actually in reading Genesis, it's made me realize that maybe I should be a little nicer to Jim Shooter about Secret Wars too, because, well, it ain't Genesis. So thanks for letting me join group today. Dr. Nerf Herder thought it would help for me to con confess my sins, and I, I do feel a little bit cleansed, and, and I do feel a little bit better. So thanks, my Australian friends, for helping me with my DCOCD. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for that contribution. Well, uh, let's go add up these scores. So, okay, Greg, looking at yours, you go three, two, five, and a one. That gives you a grand, well, I won't say grand, a total of 11 out of 40. Um, I gave it three, two, three, and zero, which um, that comes to eight, eight out of 40. And Sean, uh, we add his up. He gave it nine out of 40, but we halve his uh, thing, so that comes to four and a half, uh, but we round up to five because I'm generous like that, and that gives us five out of 20. Let's add all that together. We get a score of 24, 24 out of 100, and... Um, I'm, should I refer to the table to see where that sits? Oh, it's at the bottom by more than 20. I was going to say, uh, I think it's wow. below the bottom. It's like sub <laughs> Yeah, it's the new bottom. The, new, the bottom has a new standard, and this is it. Wow. Um, I really don't think we've been too harsh. Cause I don't think so either. And to be honest, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking maybe, maybe we've been a little bit too generous. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there is some sort of weird ripple in the universe where three people read Genesis this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere out there, John Byrne, he's cocking his head as if he knows. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So I guess that that's it for the show. So if you want to see these scores in context, we I always put them up on uh, comicosity.com, which is a fantastic website all about comics in, and news and stuff. And um, Aaron, our friend there, pops up uh, the scores there in the table, and it's all sortable. So you can sort by title, and you can look at the scores in order. You can see which is the lowest, which is the highest, and you can rate them up and side and down and all sorts of things like that. It's lots of fun. But uh, pop over there, have a look if you... Uh, there's some episodes you haven't heard and you think, oh, okay, that scored better than I thought. You might want to go listen to that episode. And there's links to all the episodes there as well. So check it out at comicosity.com. Now, where can people find you, Greg, online and around? Well, you can find me on Twitter at grujo1, and you can hear me with uh, Sean Ross discussing Secret Wars 2 on the Marvel Secret Wars and Beyond podcast from the Pulp to Pixel Network. And I think it also has its own separate feed as well. And as I said, Twitter's probably the best place to find me on a regular basis. Yeah, and you can also find Sean, well he does the um, Secret Wars and Beyond as he said, but he's on Twitter at Sean42AZ AZ, and put into American parlance for you guys and he is also, he does the Nerdy Dads, doesn't he? he he's mm-hmm. a nerdy dad. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad little podcast. Bloody Sean, he's too accomplished. I know. Anyway uh, I think that's it for this episode and uh, I think next week Mike and I will be back with a new Waiting for Doom where we're going to be looking at Scooby-Doo team up with the Doom Patrol. Well, that's very exciting. Um, and then we're back with another DC event. And um, according to the list, yeah, I think we're up to DC 1 million, Ooh. which sounds fun. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. jealous. <laughs> it is a bit better than that, if I remember. Yeah, but thank you for suffering through this uh, with me, uh, Greg. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> yep. Here's a, a voucher for some two sessions with uh, Dr. Herbert Turpet. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you all next time. And, oh, if you want to get in touch with us, send us uh, comments. And if you disagree vehemently about our scores of Genesis, um, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at DCOCDcast. And we can also get emails at DCOCDcast at gmail.com. And there's the Waiting for Doom on Facebook where you can leave comments there as well. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next time. 